0: Welcome, everybody, to Life in 22 Minutes. My co-host, Scott, is sitting next to me, and we are so excited to introduce you to our special guest today. Her name is Bridget Cook Birch. She's an extraordinary woman, best known for her riveting tales of transformation. She's a best-selling New York Times and Wall Street Journal journal best-selling author. Her powerful work has been showcased on Oprah, CNN, Good Morning America, Dr. Phil, Dateline, The History Channel, NPR, Life in 22 Minutes. I had to add that. (laughs) Yeah, we got to have that. (laughs) People, among many others. Her greatest passion is helping others to discover the stunning importance of their own story and how to own it to change the world. Bridget's New York Times bestseller, The Witness War Red, tells the astonishing life story of Rebecca Musser whose testimony brought down the insidious organized crime ring of the FDL
1: church. FLDS.
0: Oh, what did I say?
1: (laughs) F-something. The
0: ring of the FLDS church. Bridget also wrote national best-selling Shattered Silence, the untold story of a serial killer's daughter with Melissa G. Moore, and skinhead confessions from hate to hope with former neo-Nazi T.J. Leiden. Bridget has been a serial entrepreneur and has owned and operated several businesses, including a multi-million dollar trucking company. As the CEO of Inspired Legacy LLC, she teaches and trains leaders, speakers, and authors full-time using many of the lessons she's learned in business, women's leadership, writing, and publishing. She puts on Inspired Writer's Retreats, in which I have personally attended And it was an amazing experience. And she also puts on women's leadership retreats in Utah and in exotic places like India and Italy. So with that, we welcome you, Bridget. And you now have two minutes left of Life in 22 Minutes. (laughs) uh, i I even cut down down the bio i mean she is amazing she's just accomplished so many things
1: so so bridget you you've told stories of everybody else for so long we want to hear your story so in in your upbringing and in your young life what got you on path to do what you're doing
2: well i i have to admit that uh i kind of had some divine intervention so i i grew up catholic in brigham city utah you know mormonville and I had seriously considered becoming a nun, but I was a little bit wild for Utah, and uh, you know I had been taught that there was a heaven and there was a hell, and and you know in my young mind I knew where I was going, and so I really thought that I had. No worth in God's eyes whatsoever. And I was just constantly always trying to prove myself and to prove that there was a reason for me to even be on the planet, you know? So I was working three jobs and going to school. And one day I was so sick. I came down from college and went to visit my mom. And she took one look at me and took me right to the doctor's office. And I collapsed there. They rushed me to the hospital and they pumped out pints and pints of infection, so I had um, ulcerative colitis and, and some other issues that were going on, and it had created like terrible sepsis and infection throughout my, my body. And they pumped out pints and pints of this infection, and they put me on several different intravenous antibiotics, but what we didn't know was one of them was killing me. I just, you know, I was listening to nurses in the corridor and they're saying, well, I think we better call her mom to come back, even though she'd been by my side for a few days and and had not gotten any rest. And they said, I don't think she's going to make it until morning. And I just remember being this young girl. And I knew I'd made a lot of mistakes, but you know how it is when you're young and you think you're infallible and nothing can happen to Absolutely. you. And two big things happened. One was, I knew that I had not fulfilled the measure of my creation. I just had not And the second thing was that I, I just was really sad until this incredible presence of divine love just filled the room. And, um, I will tell you this, just completely and totally changed my world. This presence was so unconditionally loving. Um, And it's just, it's someone that I can't deny. It was my Savior, Jesus Christ. But so unconditionally loving that it just rocked my world and changed everything. And, you know, a nurse comes in a little bit later and she's wheeling in six more of these intravenous antibiotics. And I I looked at her and I had new information. I said, I can have every single one of these, but not this one. And she just thought, you know. This girl is a French fry short of a combination plate, right? (laughs) Something is really wrong here. But fortunately, my doctor had experienced patients who'd had near-death experiences like this. And he says, well, she's on all these other different antibiotics. I guess we could take her off this one and see what happens. And in less than 24 hours, I left the hospital. So my body had been healed and... I still had some things that I needed to recover from, like having lost 30 pounds in three days and and some other things. But the miraculous part of all of this was that I could look into the mirror for the very first time in my entire life and see love there. And I could look into the eyes of anyone, gang leaders and, you know, families of serial killers and cultists and all these different people that I've had the opportunity to meet And to go through, you know, to, I can look into their eyes and I can see love there. That was the gift that I was able to come back with. And so I've never forgotten it. It's something that so changed my world that it made me want to be a contribution to other people for the rest of my life. And so, Yeah, you hear more about other people's stories for me (laughs) than you will my own. And it's just because I don't take anyone or anything for granted. And I have found these extraordinary stories of light and love and transformation in some of the darkest places of mankind, and it renews my faith in what's possible every day.
1: Oh, that's beautiful. That is beautiful. What an amazing story. I did not know that about you, but I do know this about you, that you are, I don't know what you were like before, but I know that if you were transformed, you definitely took to that. There's nobody that is kinder and shows more love than you. I would walk a long ways just to uh, have one of a Brid- one of those Bridget Cook uh, hugs. I mean, they're just so warm and, and loving and, and you just emulate that. You just uh, show love.
0: Mm-hmm. Thank you, Scott. That's- Probably the kindest uh, compliment you could ever give me. I 100% agree. There is no one kinder than Bridget Cook. Now let's jump into what you're doing now and why.
2: Well, um, I guess two main things is that I see a lot of things in the world. There's a lot of pain, obviously. A lot of lack of hope. A lot of people that distrust one another. A lot of people that are frightened and scared And oftentimes of their own past and their own gifts and and talents and abilities, and they negate it like I once did. And they also don't feel worthy like I once did. And they, they also feel like their past defines them instead of being a stepping stone into a much greater world. And so the work that I do in helping people with their stories is to realize, you know, you are not your past. You are magnificent. And you're perfect in your imperfections. You know, we were all meant to come here as fallible creatures and to learn from life experiences so that we could become stronger, more compassionate, wiser, um, you know, more beautiful, enlightened beings, to be honest with you. And we all have that capability. But I have noticed that without owning the glory of your own story that it's more difficult to get there. As much as, you know, um, I have assisted other people with their own stories, I was only able to assist people so far until I was able to own my own story and recognize the power of that to inspire inspire others to claim and utilize their own, if that makes sense. And so there is a great power. I also feel like the people that own their own stories, everything, raw, real, engaging, just allowing, you know, other people to know who they really are on that gut level, not on the facade of, oh, I've got it all together. Because can I be honest with you? I really have never met from, I just got uh, back from a, a, trip in Italy where I got to do a women's leadership retreat with Carmel Clark. And we had such an amazing time. And um, through my contacts with my nonprofit, She United, I was able to meet a former finance minister. He'd been the former finance minister, two different terms. He's 95 years old. He's still an active professor and is writing books. And I thought, take a look at this amazing man, you know. But what was amazing to me was to sit around the table with several world leaders that were talking about the Euro and the European community and how they were going to solve the economic problems of society. But when I got to talk to each person alone, it was interesting to me. We're all very human. We're all very fallible. We all have insecurities. We all have things that keep us awake at night. And there is great power and beauty in that. And then to use that to become great leaders. You know, when I look around and I notice that people are afraid or scared or distrustful of what's happening in society, it's simply that they have not tapped into the power of their own story or been able to show up as a leader in their own community in their own world because once you begin to show up i feel there's more hope when you recognize the contribution that you can be to even one person that your world begins to change and there's more hope more joy more laughter more opportunities uh you know the the connections between people become magical you know very exquisite and i think that's one of the glorious miracles of life
1: And uh, our mutual friend, Kevin Hall, who we've had on the show before, Um, remember he always said that we should carry two books with us, the one that we're reading and the one that we're writing. And
2: I have to admit, I do that. (laughs) A lot of of my things are in my phone right now. So I have the book that I'm writing that I'll dictate into my phone at certain times and then come come home and and fix it and put it in the computer just so. I, I think that's great wisdom. I teach that particular quote from Kevin at
1: all of my writer's retreats. So you write other people's stories, and and they just come to you and and just say, hey, I've got a story, or do you reach out to them? How do you get these amazing people that you've written books with? Well, uh, if I can
2: be honest, Scott, they're always divinely guided, and it's the the only way that I can really describe this. So the first book, Skinhead Confessions from Hate to Hope, I actually was working with some high-risk gang kids in Colorado, at a time when the violence was really, really high. They had a blood-in, blood-out mentality, meaning that you had to shed blood in order to get into the gang. And blood-out meant you never left or or you'd be killed. And so there were these kids that were in this mindset. It was really rough and, and terrible for them. But the kids that were in connection with someone who loved them enough to show them a different way that was when I saw miracles happen. And I fell in love with the human soul. And those were a lot of the kids that I got to write their stories and work with. And so we're living in Colorado and knew that we were getting ready to move back to Utah. And I thought, oh, wouldn't it be great if I could bring some of these messages to young people about the power of forgiveness, the power of redemption, and what we can do with our own lives with that. And so here I am, I'm writing a fictional novel for young adults. And it has to do with a kid who leaves his gang, has a price tag on his head, and he has to feel forgiven by God. He has to forgive himself and feel forgiven by his community at some point. And of course, it has to be a love story. And I put all these little creative elements into it. And I know I've told this to Becky one time, but Scott, one time, I woke up in the middle of the night. Fortunately, I was on vacation, but I had the makings of the most incredible novel. And so taking the premise that I had, you know, schemed up, the dream went all the way along with this. And from beginning to end, I knew the entire story. So I wrote for several hours from like two in the morning until 10. I just kept writing and writing and writing and writing until my kids needed me. And I was so excited. The only thing was in my dream, it was a fully fledged neo-Nazi skinhead. And I hadn't worked with neo-Nazi skinheads in Denver. In fact, white supremacy was not a big deal at the time. And I worked with a lot of Bloods and Crips and Nuestra Familia. And so it was interesting. I had to do a lot of research. And lo and behold, several months later, I'm still doing some research and incorporating it into my book. And I come across this guy's website. Everything that I had written about in my fictional novel and everything he had written about in his biography were in tandem. The hero of my story was real. And I was like, okay, Wow! And then, wow. Uh, at the end of his website, he's like, "Oh, and by the way, I'm looking for someone to write my life story. If you know of anyone, have them give me a call." and I yeah. thought if he's going to think <laughs> I am a Fruit Loop, and he kind of did. But he had this writer from Newsweek that was supposed to be writing his book, and I said, "Okay, well, I won't publish this because you're real." And he really appreciated that because someone had made a movie of about 90% of his life called American History X. And they never gave TJ one lick of credit for it, not anything. Mm -hmm. And so when I said in integrity that I wouldn't publish even this fictional novel, he was so appreciative that when his writer flaked out, he asked if I would be willing to write his story. And I said, certainly. I knew it had been guided. And so that began this incredible journey of diff- highlighting different people and their extraordinary stories. And then Melissa Moore had read Skinhead Confessions from Hate to Hope. And she I remember she contacted me via email. And I remember being shocked as I looked at the computer screen. And here's this woman that said, I think if someone could take a story of so much darkness and create something of hope and healing, that it would be you. And she said, I'm the daughter of the happy face serial killer. Would you be willing to write my story? And I just remember getting down on my knees and almost begging God. It's like, how could I write, you know, a story of hope and healing about a serial killer's daughter? But I opened my heart up to that guidance, and also to this incredible woman of courage, and was able to write something that has been on Oprah and Dr. Phil and all of these things. From there, I was led to Kevin Hall and his wife, who introduced me to Rebecca Musser, who is the 19th wife of over 65 women. Uh, They introduced me and they said, you know, we just feel like you are her author. And I interviewed her for 20 minutes, and I set aside all my other projects because I knew this woman's story deserved to be told as well. And so these stories that come to me, and I feel really blessed to be able to give them to mankind, if that makes sense.
1: It does, and I love these stories, and I love the fact that you're so willing to share them. But I'm just curious. What's the downside to some of these? Have you had any threats come from your experience of writing such high-profile, maybe even controversial-type stories?
2: You know, I haven't had too much um, happen. I think because the people who have been threatened are the, the objects, the subjects, really, of the story, right? And they have. They've been threatened. In fact, all three of the people of these published books and then some of the people that I'm working with on their books right now that'll be coming out in the next year or so they also have been threatened in one form or another but I haven't I have had my phones tapped and I've had other people who hear about this and they're like you have to be kidding you know but after my near-death experience I also had my father who had passed away he, he gave me a message because there was one person that I was in a lot of judgment of, and that was Melissa Moore's father. And my father essentially said, how much light do you think he gets behind the walls of, the, of that prison? And he actually showed me where I was withholding my own light for another human being. And it was a very humbling experience. And it opened my eyes to an even greater depth of compassion for people and where they come from and why they choose what they choose. And I know that I'm not the judge, but I do know that I have the ability to bring these more compassionate stories to light. And what's most important that I learned is to do it without judgment and to do it with just the eyes of authenticity and realness and rawness and truth so that, Other people who are struggling go, wow, that Melissa Moore. I can't even imagine being the daughter of a serial killer. And look, she's now a producer of all these television programs, and she's known in Hollywood for bringing compassion to true crime. Maybe today I can just get out of bed. You know, these more extreme stories sometimes show the rest of us that a greater life, a more beautiful life is possible. We've got to own our stories scott but then we also have to rise beyond our stories so that they no longer own us if that makes sense you can't tell I'm passionate about this
1: years, right? <laughs> wait, wait, <laughs> we can't I, even
2: get a word edge I
1: love this I just absolutely love it and and i've yeah your work is so amazing and you've brought so much light and hope to so many people i i just there's one book that we failed to mention um you uh you co-wrote with a a, a person who's sitting very close to me, a wonderful book <laughs> called uh, My Husband Wears the Short Shorts in This Family.
0: Paraging and, uh, <laughs> others, and but, humor, courage, and a whole lot of love. Yeah.
1: How, how do, um, we're running quickly out of time. So how do you get to your um, speakers and writers retreats?
2: Um, if you go to Inspired Writers Retreat, just without an S, retreat.com, uh, you can find out when my next retreat is happening. And uh, I've got one coming up September which is going to be in beautiful on the outskirts of Park City up in the mountains. So it's going to be absolutely gorgeous with all of the aspens turning golden and some of the maples and things. So we're just excited about that one. We kind of go a little bit off the grid. We have a private cabin that we get. It's The food is delicious and catered by the most amazing staff. So we can just focus on our stories and they get one-on-one time with me, and then we get to focus on writing for the rest of the weekend, and it's, it's just really amazing. So I, I love to have anyone come that knows that it's time for their story to
1: go out into the world. Well, thank you very much, Bridget. We are out of time. Thank you, thank you, thank you. We just love you and your amazing spirit and your and your great love for people and, and humanity. So thank you for your great work and sharing that with us today.
2: Thank you, too. I sure love and appreciate who you are and what you represent and how you just continue to bring light and inspiration and hope to so many families and to so many people throughout the world. Thank you for sharing your gifts and having me on today.
0: Thanks for listening to Life in 22 Minutes. If you liked what you heard, tell your friends about us. And please subscribe to us on iTunes and leave a review. Your review will help us to broaden our audience. Until next time, don't wait for things to be perfect. Get out there and live life with courage, humor, and a whole lot of love.